Well, I'm going to say it. I did not see this coming. Penn State is 0-3 after yet another loss in Big Ten play to open up the season with a big loss to Maryland. And I say it is the worst loss of the James Franklin era of Penn State football. We'll get into all that in today's episode of Locked on Nittany Lions for Monday, November 9th, 2020. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. You are Locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin McGuire, your host here of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, contributor to AthlonSports.com. You can also find me on Twitter covering all kinds of college football things on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. And of course, if you want to follow this podcast in all forms of social media, you are more than encouraged to do so. You can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch all using the username Locked On Nittany. And of course, don't forget to hit subscribe in whatever podcasting app you may be listening to us today in and make sure you never miss a single episode as we move forward. So lots of stuff to get into in today's episode. Again, I say this is the worst loss of the James Franklin era. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into today's episode. You may have noticed that the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast went a little dark over the last few days. And and I'm saying just uh, the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of content being put out there. That's on me. The last week, once again, got a bit really busy towards the end of the week. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of assignments I needed to get done. Podcasting did have to take a little bit of a back burner. And then on Saturday, I wanted to go in and do our usual post-game stream on Twitch. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch a lot of the Penn State game against Maryland. Maybe that's a good thing, the way things went down. Uh, but I had a little bit of a cable issue going on for whatever reason. For the large majority of the game, it seemed like I was getting the feed for Minnesota and Illinois instead of the Penn State uh, Maryland game. And I reached out to people at the Big Ten Network through Twitter. Uh, they asked me if I checked the Game Finder channel website uh, to make sure I was you know, checking all of my different options. And every channel I had available to me was showing the wrong game. And it was like that at least through the first quarter. Uh, I, I don't know exactly when the switch made it way to getting the correct feed but I was watching the updates on Twitter I saw the live score updates I didn't really want to watch that game the way it was going down but I will say I I did not watch every second of this weekend's game between Penn State and Maryland uh, but I do have a good feeling that I saw enough right I saw enough to know that this was as pitiful and awful of a loss as we have seen under James Franklin and let me get this out of the way right now okay I am I I don't qualify myself as a James Franklin apologist because I do feel like I am critical of him at times. And I point out that some of the criticisms that I I think are fair uh, in in the way that he uh, executes game plans and uh, the the in-game decision making. I get it. And I I know people chirp on that very often, especially when things do not go well on the scoreboard. This was yet another case of that. But I, I tend to say that there's still a lot of positives with James Franklin as a head coach, and they far more outweigh uh, the negatives that you can say about him. It is very easy to nitpick and you know, and make mountains out of molehills with some of the criticisms that I think are valid for James Franklin and the way that he coaches. There is just so much more to being a head coach of a football program than what your in-game decision-making is. Now, in-game decision-making is very important. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, you know me, I feel as though, or hopefully you know me, and I feel as though it's every time that James Franklin gets a heap of criticism, 
I'm quick to try and point out a lot of the positives that kind of get overlooked, I think, from people that are going to be overly negative. Now, look, here's the situation, okay? Penn State coming off a very tough season opening loss at Indiana. I get it. Yeah, I played them in the box score for a while, but you made so many mistakes. You had a chance to win. You let it slip through your cracks, uh, let it slip through the fingers, I should say, and then things go into overtime, and there's that controversial ending. Okay, I, I get it. It's a little bit of a coin flip in the end. Shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with, but regardless, you start the year 0-1. It's a tough loss to take. And then you play Ohio State, and we all kind of knew that Ohio State was going to win that game, right? But obviously things did not start well for Penn State. By the time that the offense was able to get something going in that second half, uh, the defense just was unable to make any stop. So there were a lot of glaring issues coming out of that game as well. I expected by the third week of the season that some of those issues would be resolved, and they simply have not been. Okay, the, the offense, once again, what is it going to take to get the offense moving in the right direction at the start of a game? Why is it that this offense cannot move the ball, cannot score points in the first half? They had that opening drive against Indiana where they moved methodically right down the field, opened the year with a touchdown drive. And then what have they done since then? They get shut out basically. Right? What, what, actually, I'm sorry. They had a touchdown in the first half against Maryland. They had a couple of field goals uh, against Ohio State. There is not a lot working for the offense in the first half, and I'm stunned that through three games, it has not improved. In fact, there isn't a whole lot that has improved about Penn State from the opening of the season to where we are right now, coming off of the third game of the year in Big Ten play. In fact, there is far more that has regressed as far as the on-field production is concerned. The defense is a very alarming issue right now for Penn State. The offense is a, a big mess. But the defense is far more of a surprising concern, I think, as far as where I'm sitting. And I get it. Micah Parsons is not on the field. But guess what? There's still some talented players there. There's still a lot to like about some of the potential that some of these players have. And the defense has just been kind of gassed, really, it seems. as though They, they cannot get a key stop, it seems. Uh, you know, Ohio State's one thing. I get it. But, you know, third and short, third and six, third and whatever. Uh, and Maryland's just scoring 40-yard touchdowns, 60-yard touchdown, 40-yard touchdown. That is a huge, huge problem that Brent Pry really needs to figure out very quickly because things are not going to get easier. You know, we are three games in the season. Penn State's 0-3, and I'm struggling to find some of the positives here. If you've been following along with my coverage and commentary on this podcast over the last few weeks, hopefully you have learned that I do try to find the positives even coming out of losses. I found some positives that I liked coming out of that Indiana game, as difficult as it was to accept. And I thought that there were at least a couple of positives about what you could say coming out of that loss to Ohio State. I have no positives to dwell on coming out of this loss to Maryland. This is absolutely a stinker, a big clunker in the biggest way. And I feel as though we have not seen a team play this poorly in this kind of a situation under James Franklin since he has become the head coach of Penn State. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that there needs to be a big change in the program. I'm not at all suggesting that Penn State needs to move on from James Franklin. I am just merely suggesting that this year is not going well. I don't know how well this thing can get turned around this particular year. I am not at all saying that Penn State is in serious trouble in the years to come. I just think that this year of all years is going to be quite a down year, and I'm starting to accept that at this point. We'll get into a little bit more about my feelings about how 
the state of the program is right now uh, coming up in our next segment. I also want to advise you to check out the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Big Ten podcast because I will be sharing some of the same thoughts and answering some questions about this from uh, the Locked On Big Ten host, Ben Stevens. And I am going to try and get him on this podcast at some point as well, uh, get his take on Penn State and the Big Ten. Uh, but for right now, make sure you check out the Tuesday edition of Locked On Big Ten podcast. Check it out every day, actually, because there's lots of stuff going up on that podcast Monday through Friday for all your Big Ten coverage as well. But again, we have some more things to say about this bad loss that we saw on Saturday between Penn State and Maryland. We'll get into that in our next segment. So as you know, last week was a pretty big week as far as national news political commentary was concerned. And yeah, I was attached to the TV, but I was also working my 45 hours at the day job, doing some stuff with the podcast, doing some writing assignments. It was a busy week. And of course, there was a lot of commentary that I was kind of glued to as the week unfolded. And of course, Saturday was my birthday. So there was nothing I was looking forward to doing more on Saturday than sitting back and relaxing, watching some college football and just finding ways to chill because watching college football on a Saturday on the couch is the perfect way to chill. But what makes it even better is doing so with a nice, cold, refreshing Coors Light. That's because it is the beer that is literally made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Again, it's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. And even when your team is losing, you maybe you need another Coors Light just to make sure you are staying chill and relaxed in a calm state of mind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. And the best part is you don't even have to leave the house to get more Coors Light in your refrigerator. All you have to do is go to get.coorslight.com and you can get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door. Remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So I've already put it out there. I feel as though Saturday's loss, 35-19 to Maryland, was the worst loss of Penn State football in the James Franklin era. Now, before we dig into those weeds just a little bit, I do want to tip my cap to what Mike Loxley is doing with that Maryland program. Okay, this is a Maryland program that they still may not have a very good year, but you can already start to see that the energy has changed within that program. And a statement victory on the road against Penn State is only going to help that enthusiasm within that program continue to grow. Again, I don't know where Maryland's going to end up this season. I do think they're going to take some lumps along the way. But they're coming off a wildly entertaining victory against Minnesota, a team that certainly bounced back in their winning ways this past weekend. And now they've got a big statement win on the road against Penn State, their biggest border rival within the Big Ten. And if Maryland can get wins against Penn State and do so in convincing fashion as they did, that's only going to help Mike Loxley on the recruiting trail. Again, a lot of ground to make up, but maybe there's not as much. Now, I'm not going to get too carried away with a one-game result. It was a bad loss for Penn State. It's a big win for Maryland. There's no question about that. I still say that Penn State, in the grand scheme of things, is going to be okay. This is just going to be a rough year. But let's tip our cap one more time to Maryland because they've got a quarterback. Dalia Tonga Vailola, younger brother of Tua, certainly has come into his own in a very short period of time. He had a rough season debut against Northwestern in their first game of the season. Northwestern, by the way, still undefeated. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Tonga Loyola is going to be a player for Maryland as long as he stays there. I'm, I'm sure he's not leaving anytime soon. But uh, 282 yards, three touchdowns, 18-26. Uh, that kid can play. 
He was the best quarterback on the field on Saturday, and, and that's a big problem <laughs> because Sean Clifford's going to be there every Saturday for Penn State. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But Maryland, I think, is uh, a program that's certainly one to just keep an eye on as this season progresses because I do think that Mike Loxley has something working for him. I know it, it looked really tough in their opener against Northwestern, uh, and they still have some holes. I'm not saying that Maryland is a contender for the Big Ten East or any stretch of the imagination just yet. Uh, they only had 405 yards, but you know what? They got, what, 60-something on a touchdown, 40-something on another, 40-something on another, whatever it was. Uh, so they made the big plays, okay? And they went 9 of 16 on third down. That's probably more of a concern for Penn State's defense moving forward. But this is a, a Penn State team that has some serious questions. Now, again, I, I said this is the worst loss of the James Franklin era. Okay, There have been some tough losses. There have been some bad losses. Opening the season against Temple in Philadelphia and having Christian Hackenberg sacked 11,000 times, uh, that was not a good way to open the year. That was a bad loss for James Franklin. Circumstances were a little bit different at that point in time, though. Uh, this, that was still early on, very early on in the James Franklin era. Uh, certainly, that, that Temple team, by the way, was a pretty good team that year, too. Just throwing that out there. But that was a bad loss. A, a loss to Pittsburgh. That was a bad loss. They've been blown out at Michigan. They've been handled by Ohio State a couple times. They have let a couple of big wins against Ohio State slip through their fingers. They have been upset by Michigan State a couple of times in fashion that really dealt a final death blow to any shot of his spot in the college football playoff. And maybe losses to Ohio State did that already, but the Michigan State ones were the nails in the coffin for Penn State's playoff hopes in those years under James Franklin. So there haven't been a lot of big losses, and there haven't been a lot of really ugly losses for uh, Penn State under James Franklin. This is at the top of my list, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yes, there have been more notable losses that have been tougher to swallow, but this was absolutely the worst loss I have seen by Penn State under James Franklin. And the reason I say that is this. Like, as I said earlier, this team seems to be regressing. It's not getting better. The defense stinks. The offense stinks. I'm just saying it as I'm seeing it. This team stinks right now, and I'm not saying I'm not trying to be too hard on any individual player, but there's got to be a lot of uh, looking in the mirror right now uh, across the board. There's got to be some pride that's got to be put on the line here for this Penn State team as they move forward and try to turn the page. And I think that they can do it. I just never thought that we would be at any point in this 2020 season where we're going into the middle of November and Penn State is still looking for their first win. Earlier, leading up to the season, in a couple of podcasts, we took some time to look at our best case scenario for Penn State and then another episode for our worst case scenario for Penn State. The best case scenario was certainly running under the table, going undefeated with a big win against Ohio State, uh, blowing out some of these teams like Maryland and Rutgers, which I don't think is going to happen now, <laughs> and um, you know, going on the road, uh, getting wins at Michigan, getting a win this weekend against Nebraska. Avoiding an upset at Indiana, getting a comfortable win against Iowa, and you know taking on Wisconsin, winning the Big Ten championship, punching a ticket into the college football playoff. That was clearly the best case scenario for Penn State. When I did my worst case scenario, I'd have to go back and double check it. I, I don't think I had them losing to Maryland. I, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that. I think I had a, a possible upset loss to Indiana in my worst case scenario, followed by a, a loss to Ohio State. I didn't realistically think that Penn State would lose to Indiana, and I never, even in the worst case scenario, I don't believe I had Penn State losing to Maryland. 
I thought that this was the this was one of those automatic wins I had on Penn State's schedule. This one and the Rutgers game, I think, were the automatic wins for Penn State. And I think maybe even the Michigan State game. Because even in the worst-case scenario, I thought Penn State was going to win a few games, right? Uh, there was still a chance of a losing record. And I thought that that was a realistic worst-case scenario. And here we are, three games into the season. Penn State is on the verge of a losing record this year in the eight-game schedule. Uh, keep in mind. Yeah, I've always said this when we were talking about the Penn State schedule. Tough road games at Nebraska, tough road game at Michigan. Now, that's still to come. One of them is going to be this weekend on the road against Nebraska. Looking forward to talking to our frail, uh, uh Brandon Cavanaugh from Athlon Sports. He's going to be hopping on the podcast this week to talk a little bit about the current state of Nebraska as they're continuing to look for their first win. We were looking forward to bringing him back on the podcast. But uh, you know, we've got a Penn State program that has some tough road games ahead against Nebraska and Michigan. I know Michigan lost this weekend, but I still think going to Ann Arbor is going to be a challenge for Penn State. And really, if, do you see anything on the field from this Penn State team that says that uh, games against Nebraska and Michigan should be automatic wins? Absolutely not, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and by the way, they still have to play Iowa. Iowa had a big win. <laughs> you know, kind of a bust out kind of a game that I thought Penn State was going to get. Uh, so I wasn't in the win column. They're coming into Happy Valley. Uh, again, I don't see anything from this Penn State team that says that they should be the favorite against Iowa or, or at least a big favorite against Iowa. So that's not a gimme game in any stretch of the imagination. Michigan State has beaten Michigan. And again, Penn State doesn't have a single win. So I don't really know how much of a threat Michigan State will be. But I'm not seeing anything from this Penn State team that says that they're going to mop the floor of the Spartans. And how about Rutgers? Uh, that game against Rutgers should be a little bit more of a challenge than it ever should have been. You know, I know Rutgers was out there against Ohio State breaking out all kinds of t- trick plays and just having some fun. Rutgers is having a fun time playing some football this year. They're still not a great team, but they're having fun doing it. Greg Schiano's got something working with them, and they're certainly more enjoyable to watch than Penn State has this year. Never thought I'd say that, but here we are. <laughs> That's the reality of the situation. And now Penn State's going to go into their next game, uh, week four of the Big Ten schedule, on the road against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Huskers. Both teams looking for their first win. And I challenge you to go back in time to the 1970s, 1980s, even the 1990s. Tell somebody that was following college football at that time that in the middle of November, Penn State and Nebraska are going to play a game and each team is looking for their first win of the season. I get that there's some unique circumstances to the formation of this 2020 college football season, but there's nobody in the world that would have predicted that that would be the case going into the middle of November. You heard it here on this Locked on Nittany Lions podcast. We never thought that Penn State was going to lose to Maryland when we did our schedule analysis, our worst case scenarios. And here we are. This is an even more worst case scenario for Penn State. A 0-3 season. I continue to feel like I'm just harping on the same points here. In our next segment, we're going to turn the page and look to see what else happened around the Big Ten and what challenges still lie ahead for this Penn State team. There are many. And there were probably more than we ever thought there were going to be this year. So my birthday was this weekend, and it is tradition that we get an ice cream cake that is shaped as a football. It's something that I always ask for for my birthday. So yes, I've been having some ice cream cake. I ate uh, some pretty junky food over the weekend, as we are accustomed to doing for my birthday. And it didn't help that on Sunday we celebrated my nephew's first birthday, which meant more cake and more barbecue and 
more junk food. So I, I haven't been eating great the last couple of days, which is why it's very important that I get back to my regular routine every Monday as I do going into work with the lunch and throw in one of those built Bars. It is the protein bar that tastes like a chocolate bar and it's even more deliciouser than it has ever been before. Not only do they have those 12 original flavors, including my personal favorite, the orange, which is uh, fantastic, but they also have the, the six new flavors and they're always adding some more and maybe some short-term limited edition flavors into the mix. So you want to make sure you follow them on Twitter and they, check out some of the six new flavors they have, including cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, which uh, I still got to try that one, but I think that that's going to be pretty good. And of course, this is a time of year for carrot cake and apple almond crisp. Those are some really good fall flavors to throw into the mix. But the most important thing to remember is built Bars are healthy. They're great for anyone who's health conscious, anyone who's looking to lose or maintain weight because they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein and high fiber, and they're great for a keto diet as well. Check out the flavor profile for the peanut butter, one of their original flavors, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams sugar, five grams net carbs, I cannot tell you how much you have to try these out. The best way to try them out is to go to their website, builtbar.com, and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. They're going to give you 20% off your next order. And while supplies last, they're going to throw in a free cooler with your purchase. And take it from me. Refrigerate those built Bars overnight or first thing in the morning. Throw it in next cooler. When you go into work, you're going to have a nice, cool, refreshing treat. And it's going to be an awesome way to check out the protein bar that does taste like a chocolate bar. One more time, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. So Penn State is now sitting at 0-3. There are only a couple of teams in the Big Ten still searching for their first win. Again, Penn State will be taking on one of those teams this upcoming weekend when they head out to take on Nebraska, who is 0-2. Keep in mind, Nebraska lost one game from their schedule because they were scheduled to play Wisconsin, I believe, in the second week of the Big Ten schedule. But that game was postponed due to that ongoing uh, COVID-19 situation within the Wisconsin program. Wisconsin actually lost another game on their schedule when they were supposed to play Purdue this past weekend. And now we're hoping to see if Wisconsin is going to be able to play this upcoming weekend against the Michigan Wolverines. So certainly we'll be keeping an eye on what the status is for Wisconsin moving forward into the upcoming week. Of course, Michigan is looking to rebound from another loss. They opened the year with a, a nice impressive looking win against Minnesota. And then they rebounded with a loss to Michigan State. And this past weekend, they come up short on the road against those pesky Indiana Hoosiers. Indiana, 3-0. They're sitting atop the Big Ten East right now alongside Ohio State. Ohio State and Indiana are both 3-0. I don't think there's any mistake that Ohio State is still a team to beat. But Indiana, you got to give them credit. You know, when they beat Penn State, uh, they've got home wins against Penn State and Michigan right now. Uh, that's something to be very proud of if you're an Indiana football fan. And they're going to win a few more games this year too. So looking very curious to see where Indiana goes from here. And now that that game is behind us, I'm kind of rooting for Indiana because Penn State's not going to win the Big Ten East. There's, there's far too much that is going to have to happen in a very short period of time. So we can forget about that. Uh, I'm all in on the Indiana bandwagon right now. Uh, I know our pal Ben Stevens and I think Asher Lowe from Locked On Badgers. Uh, they have kind of uh, formed the the Heisman campaign for Michael Penix Jr. And while it pains me to still 
uh, look at that highlight of that two-point conversion. Uh, I still think that, you know, I'm all in on Indiana making some noise this year. So why not? It's 2020. Penn State's out of it. Let's go Indiana. I'm, I'm on the Indiana bandwagon. But take a look at the rest of the Big Ten East standings, okay? So Indiana and Ohio State are both 3-0. and uh, Maryland now is at 2-1. and They're in third place in the Big Ten East, followed by Rutgers, Michigan State, and Michigan. Uh, and you can put them in that order <laughs> with one and two records. Because Rutgers beat Michigan State, Michigan State beat Michigan, and, and then Penn State is sitting at the bottom of the division at 0-3 with five games left to play. Still going to play Michigan, still going to play Michigan State, still going to play Rutgers. Uh, so they got a chance to, to move their way up in the Big Ten East pecking order, but they lose a head-to-head tiebreaker with Maryland, Ohio State, and Indiana. So it's possible that Penn State could finish in fourth place, as high as fourth place in this division. You know, there's still a shot that they could finish in third, but um, that's not at all what we thought this season was going to be. I know I'm not alone in saying this, but I thought that Penn State was legitimately the second best team in this Big Ten conference behind Ohio State. And we were talking about the possibility that they could work their way into the college football playoff discussion, even with a loss to Ohio State. So uh, it's amazing just how far the perspective of this particular season has changed in just a matter of weeks. You know, even after I lost to Indiana, I was saying that, listen, I don't think that Penn State's going to beat Ohio State, but if they do, that, that certainly throws them right back into the driver's seat of this Big Ten East. And then, of course, they lose to Ohio State. And I'm still thinking, all right, well, they'll, they'll get things going. They'll have their bust-out game against Maryland. And no, no, that ended up not being the case either. But let's not harp on it again anymore. Let's take a look at that Big Ten West, though, because Northwestern, is 3-0. They just beat Nebraska. Uh, they continue to have Nebraska's number. It's got to be very frustrating for a Nebraska fan to, to know that Northwestern is a team that they just can't really figure out. So Northwestern now sitting at the top of the Big Ten West standings with the only 3-0 record in the, the, in the division. Uh, Purdue is at 2-0. Like I just said uh, a couple minutes ago, Purdue lost a game from their schedule because they were supposed to play Wisconsin this past weekend. And then you got Wisconsin at 1-0. So you got 3-0 Northwestern followed by 2-0 Purdue followed by 1-0 Wisconsin. And then you get into your 1-2 teams. Iowa's 1-2 after their win this weekend uh, against Michigan State. And uh, Minnesota picking up their first win with a game against Illinois. Uh, they are now 1-2. So they've gotten in the win column. And then you got Nebraska at 0-2 who Penn State will play this upcoming weekend. And Illinois is 0-3. So I thought maybe Illinois might be able to grab a game somewhere early on, but uh, it's been a little bit of a tougher schedule for them, I guess. So uh, this is a, a a weird spot to be in for Penn State. I don't think anybody anticipated an 0-3 Penn State team, the last team in the division, looking for a win. They will get a win at some point. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know when that's going to be at this point because I still think that this is a team that has far too many questions right now. Uh, Sean Clifford has to be better with the decision-making uh, because that has not been the case. He has to protect the football a lot better. Uh, the running game can't really get things going the way that they were supposed to. And I understand it's not the same running back situation that we thought it was going to be the case going into the season. But three games in the season, that thing has to get figured out. Uh, Jahan Dotson, still a, a, a promising uh, part of the passing game, but it would help if a couple other wide receivers start to develop and step up as well. And uh, Pat Fryermuth probably should have a little bit more of an impact, and I, I just don't feel as though this is the kind of year that we were expecting out of him just yet. I'm not saying it's all his fault. You know, Obviously, I put some of that blame on the offensive game plan and certainly the, the play of Sean Clifford. 
at some point this week, I think we're going to get into the discussion on what has to happen with this quarterback situation. Because I know I've seen some people out there suggesting that maybe they make a, a quarterback change, uh, go with somebody different other than Sean Clifford. I don't think it's come to that just yet. I do think that there's still something that can be fixed here with Sean Clifford and the new offensive coordinator, Kirk Shiraka. Uh, But something needs to get figured out, and it needs to get figured out very quickly. Otherwise, this season is just going to continue to be a stink fest. <laughs> and I don't think... I, I think this team is too good to allow for that to happen. But this is a very critical point now for James Franklin and his entire coaching staff because if they go on the road and have another messy game and come out of Nebraska where they lost, if this season isn't lost already, it's going to be after an 0-4 start. So this is a big game for James Franklin and Penn State. It feels weird to say that with an 0-3 team going on the road to take on an 0-2 team. But this is a very pivotal point for James Franklin and Penn State. They can go one of two ways right now. They can go on a roll and they can finish the season five and three going into that Big Ten Champions Week, maybe get a chance to go six and three. Again, I'll believe that when I see it because I don't see the level of play being capable of doing that. Or this team can just completely go in the, the toilet and we can talk about not just a losing season, but an ugly losing season. Now, I don't know if you just chalk this up to 2020, but other teams are dealing with the same situation. So I've run out of uh, making excuses for Penn State as far as the, the offseason schedule. And it, it, I think some of the concerns are legitimate with so many new coaches on the staff and some player turnover. Of course, that is an issue. But we're three games in the season. That should no longer be an issue. Certainly going into the fourth game of the year. Lots of stuff to talk about as the podcast unfolds throughout the rest of the week. We do have some guests lined up. Again, we will have Brandon Cavanaugh coming on uh, this week to talk about Nebraska. I'm lining up uh, an interview with, uh, I believe, Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio. He always has some interesting takes on his Twitter and his radio show and his Instagram. I'm looking forward to talking and reconnecting with uh, an old buddy of mine in Aaron Torres. We're going to try and get him on later this week as well. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for bearing with me. And as I aired some of my grievances, I'm sure you have plenty as well. And if you want to air some of those grievances, you are more than invited to do so with us on our social media platforms. Again, you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, check us out on Instagram and Twitch, all using the username LockedOnNittany. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode as soon as they do become available on your favorite podcasting app. We are on pretty much everything, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And then don't forget to leave a reading and review. Let us know what you think about today's episode, what you think about the podcast in general. We like your feedback and it does help with our growth and our promotion on those various podcasting platforms. So any help with uh, subscribing, reading, and reviewing would be greatly appreciated. Once again, I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Don't forget to check out my content over on AthlonSports.com. You can also check out my Patreon at Patreon.com slash Kevin McGuire. I'm going to have some updated college football playoff projections very soon, as well as my updated Big Ten power rankings for a, uh, I guess, week three of the season going into week four. I forget exactly how I calculated it, but new Big Ten power rankings coming out very soon. New college football playoff projections coming up very soon. Uh, Penn State will not be very high in the Big Ten power rankings, I'm telling you right now, and they will no be nowhere found in the college football playoff projection. So look for those things. I'm looking forward to sharing them with you. And thank you once again for listening. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.